Welcome to the Grace Community Church Podcast. We are grace for everyone, community for everyone, church for everyone. We hope that as you listen to the message from this past Sunday, that your heart is encouraged and you find yourself being drawn to Jesus wherever you're tuning in from. We are so grateful that you've joined us and pray that you'll be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Hey friends, I love to read, and this wasn't always the case. And I can pretty much attribute my love for reading to one teacher, Mr. Yablonski, Mr. Y, my grade 12 English teacher. At the beginning of the term, he handed us a piece of paper, because this was, you know, basically pre-internet, handed us a piece of paper with a list of 100 great novels. And he said if we read one of those books and write a one-page review, he would give us an extra term mark. And there was no limit to how much we could read or how many term marks marks we could earn. And back then, if you had a term average of over 75%, you didn't have to write the final exam. So I saw this as a way of getting out of exams. So I read The Hobbit, uh, Robertson Davies' Fifth Business, The Great Gatsby. I can't remember all of the books that I I read, but I I definitely got four or five term marks because he also had some movies that we could watch. He had to watch five movies and write a review. Um, but I, I earned a whole bunch of extra term marks and found out that like I really loved The Hobbit. Um, Fifth Business was a great book. So as a bit of an aside, last week we talked about investing in others. And I ended up pastoring back in Carmen where I went to high school. So I would occasionally see Mr. Y in the halls when I was meeting up with some students at the school. And so one day I just decided I'm going to write him a thank you note for inspiring me to love reading and I was going to give it to him. So I shared in that note, like I didn't, you know, I didn't gush, but I like shared that he had sort of sparked my passion for reading and I was grateful for the gift that he had given me. And I don't imagine he gets too many students who, who do uh, come back and say thanks. And so I, I gave them the note. He's kind of a quiet, unassuming guy when he's not teaching. And so I just handed it to him as he was walking by in the hall. And then for weeks after that, I would see him every once in a while and all I would get is like a gruff hello. And I thought, oh no, like I hope I haven't offended him. I was worried that I might have. I didn't know, you know, what he thought about like pastors and all the like Jesus-y church stuff. Like, um, but one afternoon he poked his head into the room uh, that I was set to meet some of our youth in. And uh, he just said, thank you for the letter. I was a little embarrassed and I wasn't sure how to respond. It was a little overwhelming to read. He's like, I don't often hear those sorts of things from the students that I teach, so thank you for your kind words. Little throwback to last week. A a tiny investment can go a long way. But back to the love of reading. I'm borderline obsessed with the pursuit of truth, of knowing the why behind it all. Whether it's trying to understand how things are made or what led someone to write the song that they did or the story that they wrote, to understanding those sort of things, uh, I have this relentless pursuit of the truth. And, and I think those things are common to the human experience. I think most of us wanna know what's true. Most of us wanna know the bigger picture, the why we exist. I, oh, I wanna know the truth. And I think that's a pretty common thing. So I wonder how we how we quench that thirst, how we answer those questions. 
Well, for me, the most compelling answer I have found is actually in the person of Jesus. It's not in knowing certain things. It's not in reading certain books. It's, it's, it's in a person. It's in understanding who Jesus is. The same year that Mr. Y taught me to love reading, I found Jesus. I began this relationship with him. And, and since that moment, I've been in this relentless pursuit of knowing him and knowing what it means to walk in his ways. Jesus said in John 8, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That if you hold to his teaching, if we walk in his ways, we'll know the truth and the truth will set us free. If we become his disciples. The ultimate truth is found in this pursuit of God. I don't know that it's a place that we ever arrive at. Maybe one day when we step into eternity. But this, this idea that we are in pursuit of truth, of knowing God, is something that's really compelling to me. I want to get to know God because he sent his son to reveal himself in the flesh. He you know, took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. And he, he revealed to us what it means to be faithful to God, what it means to walk in obedience to the spirit. And he did so uh, giving his life for us that we might not only know the way to walk, but that he would be able to open a door for us to be in relationship with him. He came to show us the way. The, the four gospels record so much about the life and ministry of Jesus. It's a great place for you to start in your pursuit of the truth. And that's what I did. When I first came to faith, I read through the gospels over and over again that first year as a Christian. I had tried to read some of the Old Testament, but I got so bogged down and I felt like I was reading in a completely different language some of the time. I didn't, I didn't understand all of the sacrifices and the violence and the wild stories. And so I, I kind of avoided the Old Testament for a long time. I still wanted to know the truth, but it was Jesus that was the most compelling. I don't know if you can relate to that. I don't know if you can relate to that like relentless pursuit of truth. I don't know if you can relate to turning to God and finding the answer to some of those questions, turning to scripture and finding some of the answers to your questions about what is life, what is truth. But maybe you can also relate to opening the Bible and not finding what you're looking for. Because that happened to me, especially when I would dig into the Old Testament as a new believer. When I became a Christian after I'd read through the Gospels a few times, I, I heard that you need to read your Bible every single day and that if you, if you read it in a certain way, God will speak to you. And so I had heard that God speaks through the words of the Bible and I wanted to hear from God and so I should probably start with the Bible. So I would take my Bible, I would pray, and then I would open it up to some random verse in the hopes that God would speak to me. And more times than I can count, I would land on some random verse that seemed like a very weird word from God in that moment. I remember specifically one of those being Ezekiel 5.1 where it says, now son of man, take a sharp sword and use it as a barber's razor to shave your head and your beard. Then take a set of scales and divide up the hair. I remember reading that going like, Lord, are you speaking to me right now? Because at the time I had shoulder length hair and I had a little chin music going on, but no real beard. And I knew because some of my friends had gone off to Bible college and I was beginning to think about maybe whether or not I wanted to go, that I had to cut my hair in order to go to Bible college. Don't get me started on all the weird rules we had back then. So I thought like 
maybe God is telling me to take a sharp sword and use it as a barber's razor. Well, I was like, probably not using a sharp sword, but maybe God is telling me to shave my head and my beard. But then why am I supposed to weigh it out? What was the point of that? I wanted to know God. I wanted to walk in his ways. Uh, Newsflash, I didn't shave my head at that point. Now I do. Um, But I did end up cutting my hair in order to go to Bible college. I wanted to know God. I wanted to hear his voice. And I knew that the best place to look was in the Bible. But I often ended up with more questions than answers. And maybe that's been your experience as well, especially when it comes to the Bible. Like, what do you think about when you think about the Bible? How do you view the Bible? What is the Bible to you? Someone in a clever attempt at an acronym described the Bible as basic instructions before leaving earth, B-I-B-L-E. I'm not a huge fan of instruction manuals, but I can see how some people view the Bible that way because it's filled with commands. It's filled with instructions on how we can know God and walk in his ways, but that's not all that the Bible is. It's not just basic instructions before leaving earth. Some people view the the Bible as a love letter from God, that it's the story of his redemptive movement throughout history, that that everything points to Jesus, that the whole thing is designed to lead us to Jesus. And, And that's definitely the thrust of the New Testament, and we can see hints of that redemptive movement throughout the Old Testament as well. But that's not all that the Bible is. It's not only a love letter from God to us. Some people view the Bible as merely a a collection of books from various viewpoints and moments of history that loosely tell the story of God's people throughout the centuries. But I'm not sure that that's all the Bible is either because it's all of those things and and more. It it does contain instructions. It does contain poetry and reminders of God's love for us. It contains stories of people pursuing God and walking in his ways as well as stories of them falling short and turning their backs on him. It's a pretty complicated text, but I've come to believe that it's one of the best places for us to begin our search for truth. How you see the Bible, though, will determine the way that you read it. It'll determine how often you read it and why you choose to read in the first place. Because you may read it to try and find answers to the questions you have. You may read it to further understand who God is and and who we are in light of him. You, You may read it to hear from God. You may read it to learn how to be faithful to him in this season of your life, and you will likely find all of those things and more if you're willing to dig into the passages of Scripture. But for whatever reason you read the Bible, there is an immense value in getting that truth into your heart and mind. I believe that as a disciple of Jesus, we need to be versed in truth, well-versed in this truth. Jesus himself would have grown up in the synagogue. He would have memorized the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Uh, he he would have known the scriptures and immersed himself. He would have been versed in truth. I I remember memorizing just the first little bit of Psalm 119 in Bible college. We ended up having to do the whole thing. Uh, But if you're looking for a good challenge, that's a great one to memorize, Psalm 119. It's an incredible psalm that praises the virtue of scripture. And an interesting tidbit about this particular psalm, if you look at the NIV, you'll notice that it's broken into sections of eight verses each. And at the top of each section, there is a Hebrew character followed by a Hebrew word. Now, the Hebrew alphabet is made up of 22 letters. So each section of eight in Psalm 119 corresponds with a letter of the alphabet. So A being Aleph, and then B, Beth, and so on. And so each verse in those eight sec, or each of those eight verses begin with the corresponding letter. 
So the first eight verses begin with the letter A, and then the next eight are with the letter B, or Aleph and Beth. And this is a mnemonic device. It's a, it's a way of helping us commit the passage to memory. So it'd be really helpful if we could speak biblical Hebrew, because it would be easier to remember. But I'd encourage you to try and memorize this passage, even if it's just the first few verses. Because Psalm 19 opens up like this. It says, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong but follow his ways. You've laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That might be one that you've already memorized. I've hidden your word in my heart. What a beautiful picture of how we let God's word mold and shape us into people who live out those words. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've held it close to my chest. I've cherished it. I've memorized. I've internalized it. I love the way the voice translates those last three verses. How can a young person remain pure? Only by living according to your word. I have pursued you with my whole heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Deep within me I have hidden your word so that I will never sin against you. Oh, oh that those words would be true of us. That we've hidden God's word in our hearts, deep within us. There are so many advantages to hiding his word in our hearts. We often read the Bible to acquire information. What if we read for transformation? I remember years ago hearing a church planter from Colombia share the difference between Canadian and Colombian disciples. He said that we here in Canada, we read the Bible quickly. We, we try to get as many verses in a day as we can. We you know, read through the Bible in a whole year. We, we have these goals that we set for ourselves. He says, we read it slowly. We read a passage over and over again until we're able to obey it. And it's only after we've integrated it into our lives that we move on to another passage. It reminded me of a famous quote that you know most Christians are educated way beyond their level of obedience. Being versed in the truth or well-versed in the truth isn't just about knowing Bible verses or having good theological arguments or having things committed to memory. It's about having the truth alive in us. It's about living out that truth. Paul says in Colossians, he says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let the word or the message of Christ dwell in you richly. Again, the voice puts it so well. It says, let the word of the anointed one richly inhabit your lives. With all wisdom, teach counsel and instruct one another. Sing the Psalms. Compose hymns and songs inspired by the Spirit. And keep on singing. Sing to God from hearts full and spilling over with thankfulness. Surely, no matter what you are doing, speaking, writing, working, do it all in the name of Jesus our Master, sending thanks through him to God our Father. Let the word of the anointed one richly inhabit your lives. I believe that true wisdom comes from knowing the word of God. And that word of God is Jesus. I believe in the infallible and inerrant word of God. In his name 
is Jesus. And while I regularly encourage people to read the Bible and study and memorize it, there is a danger in making the Bible the fourth member of the Trinity. The Bible is not God. It points us to God, absolutely. But again, what you think about the Bible will determine how you read it. The people I look up to most are not people who can quote the most scripture verses. They're not the people who know their Bible backwards and forward. The people that I admire the most in this life are people who love the way Jesus loved, who speak wisdom and truth, who build others up with their knowledge, who use the truth they've learned to speak life and courage into those they come in contact with, people who point others to Jesus, that the message of Christ dwells in them richly. To be versed in truth is to have that truth so etched on your heart that you live it out, which is why I also encourage people to read beyond the Bible. The Bible is not the only text that we find truth in. Like capital T truth exists outside of the scripture. It exists all around us. As amazing as the Bible is, it doesn't cover every topic or get into the details of how everything works. So be curious, ask questions, allow God to lead you into the truth. Jesus told us this would happen. Jesus didn't tell us that the Bible was the be all and end all because the Bible that talks about him wasn't written when he was sharing truth. He only had the Old Testament. Jesus told us that he would send us the Spirit and the Spirit would continue to lead us in our pursuit of truth. In John 16, it says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it's from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. The Gospels don't record everything that Jesus said to his disciples. John mentions that, like if everything were recorded, there wouldn't be enough, you know, ink in the, if the whole sea was made of ink, right? There, there wouldn't be enough books to contain it. The Gospels don't record everything that Jesus said to his disciples, nor do they, do they record what he planned on telling them? Not everything. The teaching would continue via the Spirit once Jesus was resurrected and ascended. So for thousands of years, his followers have continued this pursuit of truth, of attempting to live out the message of Christ. And that pursuit has led people to read the Bible, to study it, to wrestle with it, and to question some of the assumptions around what it means to live out the good news faithfully in their time. So while slavery was once commonplace, the pursuit of truth has led us to a place where we understand the evils of treating people as property. And while it may appear even in some scriptures that women are not allowed to teach, a pursuit of the truth has led us to a place where we understand that we're missing out on half of the image of God when we only permit men in the pulpit. The Southern Baptist Convention is learning this in a pretty public and dramatic way at this moment. While it may appear that God not only endorses war, but oftentimes instigates it in the Bible, Pursuit of truth has led us to the place where we understand the way of Jesus is to lay down our lives rather than take up or take another life. We're called to the radical love of our enemies. This is what it means to be versed in truth. It means that we, we engage with the scripture, but we look to live out the message of Jesus in our time. Search the scriptures, listen to the spirit as God leads us into truth. And it's not just for the sake of knowing it. It's for the joy of living it. James warns the church not to just gather information, but to pursue transformation. 
in James 1, 22 to 25. It says, do not mis- merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like, a, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Do not merely listen to the word. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't live it out is like someone who looks in a mirror and then immediately forgets what they look like. It's like someone who looks in a mirror, sees mud all over their face, and does nothing to remedy the situation. It's like someone who doesn't understand what the point of a mirror is. But being versed in truth, not just reading the Bible, but understanding and living out the message of Jesus. So if, if you don't know the message of Jesus, a great place to start is in the Bible. It's in the Gospels. Read the Bible. Start in the Gospels. Read them over and over again. Commit the Beatitudes to memory. Read the rest of the New Testament. Hide those words in your heart. Let them guide your life. Read it often. I'd recommend every day. And if you are reading the Bible, then ask yourself the question, am I living out what I'm reading? Have the words in the life of Jesus transformed my life? Am I more loving because of the words that I've memorized? Am I more gracious and more patient and more kind and compassionate? Being versed in truth should lead us to a life that looks and sounds more like Jesus. That is his message dwelling richly in us when we live out the life of Christ. So is it? Do you know the message? And if you know the message, are you living the message? Is that message leading to the flourishing of your own life and to the flourishing of those around you? Are you versed in truth? And if you're not, or if there's ways that you could take a step towards that, what would that step look like? How could you move in that direction? Maybe it means setting up a time each day to read a passage or two. Maybe a devotional or a reading plan. Maybe you want to uh, engage with something on version. If you don't already use the app, I'd encourage you to download it. It's free. It's got tons of reading plans with all sorts of different topics. There's different translations that'll help you get into scripture on a regular basis. And our event this week, if you do download it and you go over to a little like more tab and you go to events, you'll see uh, Grace Community Church on there. And there's a, there's a great plan suggested there for you uh, to get you started on a habit of regular Bible reading. But maybe you already have that. Maybe you're already regularly engaging with scripture. How are you living it out? How are you finding ways to allow that to be integrated in your heart, in your life? How are you becoming more like Jesus? Does your life look like the passages that you're reading and memorizing? And then what other books are you reading to expand your horizons and to feed your curiosity? Things that are leading you into the truth. Because I've made it a goal in this life to to read the Bible every day but not just to read it. I've made it my goal to memorize significant portions, but not just to memorize it. I've To read and to memorize and to study and to question and to wrestle, not just for the sake of information, but for transformation, that the message of Christ might inhabit me. But I've also set a goal to read 100 books a year. Between listening to audiobooks and reading, I'm at 70 so far this year, thanks in part to Mr. Y. All of this is in pursuit of truth in knowing not only who God is, but how this wonderful creation works, how we engage with one another, how we love one another well. Because I want to be versed in truth. I want to live out the truth. I want the truth to transform me, and I hope that that's your prayer as well. 
that we might know the truth and the truth might set us free, that we would be people who listen to God and invest in others and who are versed, well-versed in the truth. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so grateful for the scriptures, that we have a record of so many different people's pursuit of you, their triumphs and failures, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Would you, would you help us to wrestle with these words as they wrestle with us? Spirit of God, we do pray that you'd lead us into all truth and that that truth would set us free, free to love the way that you love, free to bless and encourage and point people to your kingdom, to your grace, free to be the kind of people that you've created us to be alive, fully alive, life abundant. Oh, we want to live out this good news. We want to listen to you and invest in others. and We want to be versed in truth. Would you speak to our hearts? Would you lead us into the truth that we might be transformed and that your spirit in some small part would change the world around us, that people around us might experience some transformation as well. For we ask all of this in the name of Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Amen. We do hope you're having an amazing summer and that this rhythm of lives is speaking some life into your walk with Jesus. Uh, if you're curious about the church or what's coming up next, head over to the website. We're excited for the best summer yet. We'd love for you to help us send uh, a bunch of students to camp by giving a little extra and continuing to walk with us as we live for the summer and have the best summer yet. Next week, we get into one of my favorite ways of living out the good news, eating with others. And so until then, may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God be reflected in your hands, the wisdom of God be reflected in your words, and the knowledge of God flow from your heart that all might see and seeing believe. May we, as grace for everyone, truly live this good news. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace.